Well, here we are. It's a uh, it's a damp and pretty miserable day out at Gungahlin, but I've just ridden my bicycle past a van. I've noticed these big red signs, and the signs say, "We are the Stop Adani Convoy," and uh, and with the big uh, red Stop Adani sign on the back. And I'm very pleased to be talking now, but cheer chance. Uh, to Graham Atkins. Uh, g'day, Graham. G'day. Nice to be in Canberra. Now, I detect a British accent there, is that right? Well, it's British and it's Welsh. <laughs> now, coal, what, what got you into this coal activism? Uh, reaction, I think, against the fact that I'm a sixth generation coal miner. Uh, the first coal mine in the Rhondda was opened in 1826, and I went on the mine for 12 hours when I was about 15. So that's quite a background. So something turned your attitude, I guess, because it's difficult to make the transition from earning an income, being in a family that earns an income from something like coal. I'm guessing it was something pretty strong that changed your attitude. Yeah, I uh, I researched the background to the mining in, in Wales. And when you work out there's a death every eight hours over a 75-year period. And when you you go down the mine... And the union said to me, well, why don't you not stay in the mine, but maybe study politics? Here's £50. They give me a grant. And that's what I did. What was it like when you were down in the mine? Uh, when you walk past the spot where your granddad died at the age of 33, having come back from the war, and this happened to him in 1930, when my mother was two, it sort of wakes you up a little. So t take us back to that moment when you were thinking about coal and the implications of burning coal. What was your thinking at the time? Total naivety. The, the family depended on coal. It kept us warm, it cooked the food, it gave us the light, and it was a way of life. So we knew nothing different. But often my grandparents, and there weren't many grandparents around because people tended to die about 45. I thought as a kid I would not live beyond 45. Um, we just lived in ignorance, and it was just a way of a way of death, to be honest. Was there a significant person in that? Well, my dad. My dad was 14 in 1940-ish, and he refused to hit a pit pony with a bit of 4 by 2 so we lost his job. And that was quite a, quite a wake-up call. He then became a bus conductor, and because he left the mines, he's now 95 years of age, and I go to visit him once a year. I spend most of my time in Sydney, and I'm flying to see him next week. And what brings you out here today? Uh, a wake-up call. I met some great people in a trivia night, believe it or not, six weeks ago in Sydney. And they talked about the journey and the trip and their diet and plant-based food and it moved me away from the commercial world that I've been absorbed in for 30 years, media, software, Rupert Murdoch. Um, I laughingly call his organization um, Fake News Unlimited. That's my Welsh humor. And uh, they invited me to join them. So I, I've just done the 6,000-kilometer journey. That's amazing. And how do you feel now when you seeing the school kids here picketing the offices of a federal politician? I feel delighted. I, even before I answer that question, 
a lot of the people that turned up in the 15 places that we stopped on the way, most of whom didn't throw stones at us, but some did, the kids gave some amazing speeches. So being here today, the day before the, the Bob Brown rally, um, or two days before, is just amazing. The kids have the voice. In fact, I think we should drop the voting ages onto 12, because these kids know a lot more than many other people I've met. Do you feel a sense of inspiration seeing them? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Now, I understand from the media that there were some pro-coal uh, protesters up in Queensland where you went. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like and how did you find them? Um, as an ex-anti-apartheid activist from 1972, I found it quite mild. But the people in the van and the people in the convoy were a little bit uh, concerned, to say the least. Well, I can't get into too much detail because people exaggerate these things. Um, we needed a police escort. We were confined uh, in a showground for two days. We couldn't leave. We, would, they, we couldn't get served in the pubs or the restaurants. And there were lots of threats. But that's a minority. That's one in a thousand. What do you say to, uh, to the people like them? To How do you feel about their attitudes? I completely understand. I played rugby in a Welsh Valley for 15, 20 years and they feel insecure, they feel threatened, but they just need to be educated a little. There'll be a transition, I guess, over five years and they'll do what I did. I relocated from, if you will, um, Silica Valley to Silicon Valley. I moved 10,000 miles. So you approach them with a sense of sympathy? I wore my Welsh rugby top. I didn't admit I was in the Adani convoy because that would have been a, a bad reaction and maybe a bit physical. And they were good. They were good value. A lot of them had actually been sent. to some. I think it was Mackay that a lot of them had been told to go and disrupt our speeches, but they didn't. They watched and they, they were well behaved. Uh, any final thoughts, Graham? Well, I hope today goes well for the kids. Sorry about the Welsh weather. And I think uh, they are the future. And I hope that they all turn up on Sunday at our rally, which is around about two o'clock. Today I'm the first vehicle in the convoy with a big Welsh flag with Bob Brown's blessing. Okay, Graham. now tell me that your, your father said something profound to you recently. What was it? Yeah, a couple of things. I've kept in touch with him on this trip. He's 95. He's now in a retirement home. And he's aware of the trip I'm doing. He, um, he said to me a couple of nights ago, if those guys in Australia do the same to their country as we did to Wales... It'll be a classic case of history repeating itself. And if you do that, then you will not have a future to reflect on that. Second thing he said was, humans above ground and coal underground. And that's where it belongs. They're the two big messages. And I guess when I call him tonight, he'll give me another lecture about um, what we shouldn't be doing. Leave coal where it is. Look after the barrier reef. And I quoted one of our little sayings, which was, uh, coral, not coal. He didn't fully understand what I meant, but uh, he, he agreed anyway. So, Graham, you brought the Welsh weather with you and, uh, and your passion too, and um, thank you very much for your time talking to me today. My pleasure. Been, uh, I'm glad we met. Say something about what, what you're feeling about the Adani mine. The Adani mine is one of the biggest abominations that I think I've... I've been following for quite a while and Clive Palmer with him trying to get his 
with him trying to get his coal mine in after the Dani gets approved and Gina Reinhart trying to get her stuff in due to her baby Barnaby. <laughs> What do you say to uh, the, uh, what do you say to our politicians? I haven't voted for anyone else except the Greens for over a decade, purely for the fact that I'm disgusted with a lot of them. All right. Well, here we are at the uh, strike at uh, Gungahlin, and I'm interviewing the Greens candidate. Hello, and great to see you. And you are Tim Hollow, Greens candidate for Canberra. Yeah. And how does it feel seeing the school kids out here today? It's so exciting. It's so uplifting. I've been involved in campaigning on, for climate action for 20 years and I've never seen the momentum and the urgency that we've got at the moment and that really is very strongly thanks to the climate strikers. What do you say to the people who reckon that kids should be in school, they shouldn't be here now, they should be doing their lessons? This is a really important lesson in civics and in science and in how our country works, how democracy works. You know, the, the fundamental thing that the kids keep saying, which is absolutely right, is why should they be in school studying when the politicians are condemning them to a very short future? You know, their, their future is at stake. Our future is at stake. I'm still young enough to, to be, you know, intending to be alive by 2050, 2060. These kids will be alive a lot longer than that. And if we don't tackle climate change incredibly urgently, incredibly fast, then that will be a very dark time. What are the chances, do you think, of actually stopping the mine? Very real, very real. Um, you know, if we can delay it further and further and further, then it'll stop anyway because there will be no market globally for coal. The global coal market is crashing. It's been crashing for well over a decade now and it does not have a very long future. Um, so whether we stop it um, through regulation or whether we stop it by closing down the coal export industry or whether the global markets stop it because nobody wants to buy it, it's not going to go ahead. What's your attitude to a price on carbon? Look, we need a price on carbon, but we need much, much more than a price on carbon too. Um, if we'd put a, a good general economy-wide carbon, carbon price in place 20 years ago, then I think that would have been the only policy that we needed. We don't have time for that anymore. We absolutely don't have time. I think we need to put a price on carbon because it's important that polluters, the people who are polluting this planet, actually pay for what they're doing. But more importantly, we need to regulate so that we can close down the coal-fired power stations, build out the renewable energy, move to sustainable agriculture, culture, move to electric vehicles. That's the stuff we need to do. And a carbon price won't drive it fast enough on its own. Yeah, convert an externality into a real cost. Absolutely. It's a great pleasure talking to you today and thank you very much for your time. Cheers, thank you. All right, and uh, can I have your names, please? Uh, Olivia. And? Gemma. And? Susie. And what brings you out to the uh, Adani Climate Rally here today? Oh, well, I was one of the organisers for it. So, you know, a lot of effort has gone in and I'm super proud of how it turned out. And yourself? I want to um, have a voice in this matter and I want to change the world. And? I'm Olivia's mum, so I'm here with her, but I'm, I've been attending all of these rallies with her and, I, you know, I just want her to know that we support her and, and what she's doing. What, what do you say to the people who that think that kids should not be here? Kids absolutely should be here. They're the voice of our future. They're too young to vote. This is the only way that they can really make their voice heard. And um, I have no issues at all with the kids being here. And what are you, what are you missing by not being in school today? Oh, nothing. <laughs> A maths class maybe, but... 
I think that it's more important that we're out here. We're learning so much more. We're learning that our voices are powerful. We're learning how to protest and we're learning how democracy works, how we can get involved and how we can change the future of our country. Uh, what's the attitude of other kids in your school to this? Oh, well, we had a sort of rally inside of our school um, back when the first, uh, well, not the first one, but the most recent uh, school strike happened. And basically, I think it was a wake-up call for pretty much every student who was there. I had a bunch of kids come up to me afterwards and go, like, I am terrified now. I am just completely mortified. And so um, we have a lot of students who go to our school who are always coming up to me going like, I can't make the rallies because my parents won't let me, but like, is there anything else I can do? And I'm just like, yes, you can go and you can support these people or you can go to a rally on this weekend and stuff like that. So there is a lot of sort of buzz amongst the youth um, and I think that this is an issue that is incredibly important to us. So there's a lot of doom and gloom about climate. Uh, How does that make you feel? Does it seem overwhelming? It's absolutely terrifying, yeah. Um... Yeah, sorry. And Olivia? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, oh my goodness. Sometimes I'm like lying in bed and I'm just like, I can't wait to get a good night's sleep. And then it like hits me and I'm like, oh wow, I'm not going to sleep tonight. It's so scary and I, I can't breathe, I can't move. It's just, it feels a lo- very powerless sometimes. But what we've got to realize is that, you know, we do have hope because as long as there's events like this, as long as there's rallies, as long as there's people who are speaking out, we're doing all we can. We're doing our part. And then at the end of the day, that's that's really, you know, all we can do. So as long as we keep making progress, then I think there's there's going to be some hope there. That's That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And something in you and your mum is here supporting you as well. Something in here gives you the sense that you're not really powerless. There is actually something you can do. Yeah, definitely. I'm just amazed at the amount of people that have just shown up and just how many people actually want this to happen and have our voices heard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just wonderful because every time we organise these events, I'm like, well, maybe I haven't done a good enough job at promoting it, maybe no one's going to show up, or it, today it's, it's raining, like no one's going to want to be out here, but then there are so many people who come along and who say, you know, we're going to stand with you. I have adults coming up to me and they're going like, you know, I'm hearing you and I'm going to vote for the people with the best climate policy. And I have kids who are coming up to me and they're just like, I am just annoying the crap out of my parents just every day. It's a vote for climate. So it's just, it's wonderful to get all of this support. Well, good on you and uh, keep, keep at it. Keep at it. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you so much.